Hello, welcome back. Welcome back to episode, episode 47. That's wild. Yeah, I know. We didn't take that long to record this episode this time. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Only two weeks. Only, wait, really? Two weeks? Yeah. It's only been two weeks since we recorded. Wow, a record. But yeah, <laughs> happy Memorial Day weekend. I'm just glad that we have oh. a three-day weekend, finally. Oh. It felt like so long. Shit, okay, I don't even know what we are celebrating for. Aren't we? an American. Isn't it for, like, <laughs> veterans? Like, people who have served the country? so. That were, like, in memory of them. Probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, what do people yeah, even probably. do on Memorial Day? Do they just gather with family? Yeah, I was just talking to talking about it like with my boyfriend the other day like what if people do on Memorial Day I guess like people just gather and have like barbecues so it's like I guess so it's kind of like I guess 4th of July but like not as big but not as big yeah not as big I I think yeah 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 but happy Memorial Day on this day yes happy well-deserved three-day weekend (laughs) the last three-day weekend was like seemed like so long ago I feel like it's just been nonstop. I think non-stop. it was like in like February. I think it was in was it February. MLK? I don't, don't remember. I don't remember. But yeah, enjoy the three day weekend. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, we're using the three day weekend to record. So mm-hmm. glad Working for that. Out here. Yes. How have you been? I've been doing good, just like surviving and working. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just only one this weekend. I finally watched Guardian of the Galaxy. Me too. I and watched I, it last. Yeah. How did you like it? It was so sad. Oh, like, really sad. I I liked it in the sense like I feel like this is one of the better Marvel movies that have come out recently. Yes, yes, I think so. But I don't I think agree. I can watch it again just because like they should have put a trigger warning or something. It's weird because like some I like went in with no expectations. And then I didn't expect the scenes with the animals to be so, like, brutal. And then this family who was behind us, they're with kids. They left halfway, I think, because, like, they didn't want their kid to see it. Like, because it was, like, the, I don't know. Like, even thinking about it gives me chills. Like, the way, I don't know. And then the way, like, the animals would grow in the tank, I was like. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was really sad. But I think it was one of the better Marvel movies that came out recently I and agree. also one of the better Guardian of the Galaxy. Because I think for the last few Guardian of the Galaxy, I didn't really get the jokes. Oh, like, mm. I always fall asleep in movies and, like, I fell asleep at both of them. But I didn't fall asleep in this one. But, yeah, I feel like also I didn't know, like, Rocket has such a... And then, deep history behind him yeah. it gives him so much character than just a raccoon like i remember in the first volume when i saw the raccoon like in the movie i was like so weird i was like who is this raccoon he was talking and like mm-hmm. i don't know fighting people with guns yeah. yeah now i like really like him yeah i really like backstory and like background what is it origin stories and then i went back to watch the yeah. first one after i watched the third one because i really like the first yeah. one I don't really like the second one that much, but, like, I really like the first one. So I went back and watched, and I was like, while well, watching this, now knowing his background story is kind of sad. I know. Yeah. yeah. Like, gives you a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say something, but I forgot. Oh. <laughs> what else did you do this weekend? That's what we were talking about. 
Yeah, yesterday I hung out with my parents. I walk around the park, which was really nice. We like walk for like one and a half hours, so we're so tired after. But then afterwards, we got to eat some very good Chinese food.、Mm-hmm. So there's this new place in the Sunset area for those of you who live in San Francisco in the Sunset area. The place is called the Soup, and in Chinese, I think it's Lantong Yun. Actually, Lantong Yun. Yeah, and they have like a lot of good like. Soup and also like steamed rice, just for good. Yeah. Oh, I recommend you to check it out. And the lady there is also very nice. Yes. No, we were literally just talking about like how we wanted to travel and just like I don't know、mm-hmm. and just like I can't we I can't sit still <laughs> and I contribute that to the growing up in Hong Kong. But I do want to visit San Francisco again. The last time was like last year, huh? La- like almost a year ago. Yeah, when you came here with Pai Pai, right?、Mm-hmm. For the concert. Yeah, but yeah, I just yeah, like. But honestly, like, there's not much in SF now. Like, everything is closing down in downtown. Like,、oh. Onesi, Nordstrom is all closing、really? down. There's more, but like, it's just so dead now. Oh, like in because, Union like, Square. Yeah, I think because it's very unsafe over there,、mm. and like a lot of break-ins. I keep、um, seeing videos of like. Oakland break-ins, or like not even like break-ins, just like robberies in general. Yeah, and like in broad、yeah. daylight too. Um. So a lot of businesses are actually leaving.、Mm. So. Huh. Anyways. 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 <laughs> Such is life. But I guess we can jump right into what we're gonna talk about today. So in our last episode, we talked about the ninety-year-old street hawker. In Hong Kong, who got her chestnut cart confiscated by the authorities? So this incident like made us reflect on like why elderly are still working, and a lot of these street hawkers are older individuals, and it really highlights the struggle that not only like street hawkers but like elderly street hawkers face in Hong Kong. Um, and so we wanted to know why a ninety-year-old granny is still working. Um.、Mm-hmm. Which is crazy, like ninety. She looks like healthy for ninety. I was like, and I, when I'm ninety,、yeah, yeah. I just want to sit at home and I don't know, be taken care of by my children.、Um, yeah. But before we dive into the reasons to why so many elderly in Hong Kong have to work even after they retire, which I want to say, like the retirement age through research. Is like there's no set retirement age in Hong Kong, but it's usually like sixty, sixty five. So before we we get into the reasons, let's look at some statistics surrounding income and poverty rate among elderly in Hong Kong. Yeah, so that will kind of give us a bigger picture of how severe poverty among elderly in Hong Kong is. So. According to Society for Community Organization in Hong Kong, there are over three hundred thirty thousand elderly living poverty in Hong Kong, and one in every three elder in Hong Kong live under the poverty line, which is like a lot. Like if you think about it, like every three old people that you meet in、mm-hmm. Hong Kong, one of them will be living under the poverty line, and over half. Of working elderly engage in low end physical labor, and average income is thirty three percent less than the Hong Kong average. So, what low end physical labor means is they're probably working jobs like being a janitor, 
maybe street hawkers or even in, I don't know, like dishwasher, mm-hmm. things like that. So these figures may seem surprising, but if you really look closely on the streets of Hong Kong, you can see elderly working at janitor, yeah, janitors, caretaker, and security everywhere. Even though like they look very, very old, like the incident that we mentioned, so 90-year-old street hawker was still working. And one of the other most prominent one that you see on the street of Hong Kong is probably cardboard grannies. For seniors that collect and sell waste boxes and other scraps for very little money. Like, through my research, I found that they usually make, I don't know, like four or five dollars, like US dollars every single day mm-hmm. just for a living. And that is like to- entirely just not enough yeah. money yeah. to live in Hong Kong. Yeah. And it's like, it's very physically demanding too, especially since Hong Kong is so like hilly. They have to push these like big carts, like up these hills mm-hmm. and down these hills, just to make four dollars a day. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that a lot of them try to like get cardboards that are heavier. Then try to like get a big amount, so it's like it's like heavier because the heavier the cardboards are, the more money you will mm-hmm. get. So then they would try to like try the best to like get the most cardboard in like one one trip. And just yeah. imagine like being ninety year old and having like to push around a super heavy cart of cardboard. And I know some people they even like they will like spray water um on the cardboard so then it's heavier when they measure it too. I feel like cardboard grannies are such a common phenomenon in Hong Kong. Like you can see them. Like even in like more, I guess, businessy districts, like you can still see them on the street. And the fact that there's so, like, the fact that cardboard grannies are, like, a phenomenon in Hong Kong and, like, what people kind of, it's not, like, not iconic. I don't want to use the word iconic because it's not a good thing. But, like, it's so, like, Mm -hmm. such a staple. So, like. Prevalent. Yeah. Yeah. Like, when you think of, like, the streets of Hong Kong, it's kind of sad because then it's, like, how many elderly are doing this for it to become, like, such, like, a prevalent thing. But, Yeah. And so we wanted to talk about, like, why is poverty so severe among elderly in Hong Kong? And Summer talked about this a little bit last time, too, like, about how the social security program here in the U.S. is, like, not the best, but it's still, like, it's more affordable and more accessible to elderly, especially since we have, like, Medicaid and Medicare, right? Mm -hmm. But in Hong Kong, our social security system is not the best so we here are some like not statistics but some of the social security schemes that hong kong has put out in regards to like elderly benefits so there are a few different like allowance schemes and allowance benefits that hong kong offers elderly so the social security allowance scheme is what covers the elderly including old age and disability allowance so the scheme for elderly is split between two age groups. So the first age group, which is normal old age allowance, is 65 to 69 years old. And then if you're over 70, that is the higher old age allowance. So the Social Security Allowance Scheme is financed entirely by the state budget, so by the government. And the normal old age allowance, like 65 to 69, is means tested, which means like they have to go through a bunch of, like a questionnaire to like, 
determine like if they're eligible and then the higher old age allowance is not so which means like as long as you're over 70 you can apply for these benefits and the official mm-hmm. official in quotations retirement age for both men and women are 60 uh, and there's also another way that elderly can i guess get retirement money after they retire is that so this money is called old age benefits so the it's allowance and benefits old age benefits is through an mpf but to get this to be in an mpf scheme you have to be enrolled in a company or you have to be working in a company which provides mpf schemes so mpf system which is the mandatory provided fund most employees are required to join a scheme through their company so they contribute monthly towards their retirement fund usually it is five percent of their salary and the maximum is three thousand hong kong dollars per month and then they can apply for benefits through the scheme at age 60 when they retire or 65 but i mean the first thing about this is like you need to be working in a company right which i feel like a lot of like sh- like street hawkers, for example, they've been doing this their whole lives. They probably didn't work in a traditional company since. And another thing with the MPF system is that it was only introduced 20 years ago. So a lot of people who are aged between 50 to 59 only started to contribute when the MPF was introduced. And since the maximum amount an individual can contribute is capped at 3,000 Hong Kong dollars per month, won't be enough to like sustain for those who are now in their 50s when they get older so if they just start like doing it in their 50s when they get to like 60 retirement age that's like 10 years every every month you have 3,000 maximum right 3,000 times times 12 times 10 like that's not gonna sustain you for the rest of your life versus I guess like younger people like us like who are our age and are working for maybe like 40 years before they retire, maybe like that would be, you know, more sustainable. But people who are going to be elderly soon, like, and going to retire soon, that's not enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wonder like how they set this limit to 3,000 Hong Kong dollars. Cause yeah, I don't know. And US dollars that would be like, 300, 300, less 350? than 400. Yeah. Less yeah. than 400. Which, in the US, I think the max that we can do in the year is $6,000, right? I think it's, six, yes, it is $6,000, $6, but I think they raised it, raised it even more this past year. But yeah, like, that's such a big difference. And like, if you think about it, like, not only we have a very low cap on the retirement fund system, but we Hong Kong people also pay very low taxes mm-hmm. every month. So like, because we don't get taxed as much, the government also don't have as much money to fund social security programs. So like, there's like, yeah. I don't know, like two sides of the coin, right? Like, because in the US, when I work, like I'm constantly complaining how like Expensive 30% of my income are. is being, <laughs> yeah, like they 30% are. of my income is, is taxed away. Mm-hmm. So like your income is not really like, your pre-tax income versus like post-tax income is like a big difference. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I guess, if you look at it in the long run, hopefully, 
I mean, hopefully, like, I will be set when I am older. I have enough social security to support my retirement years so mm-hmm. that I can enjoy my life and not still be working. Yeah. I also, when I was researching, like, where the funds of the these the schemes for elderly come from, a lot of them don't come from, like, when people pay taxes. A lot of them just come from the government. Like, they're not taken out of the budget of, like, tax payers. So I feel like that would be even less. So, like, they're only... Wait, what do you mean? Like... Like, a lot of the budget for elderly's allowance and, like, benefits, they don't come from taxpayers' money. Like, I think some of it does. I think it depends on what kind of, like, benefits, what kind of scheme. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of it doesn't come from taxes. It comes just from the government's money, which is, like, I I don't know what Hong Kong is using the tax money for. But uh, I don't know. I think I've watched a video about how one of the biggest in- income source for the Hong Kong government is selling lands. Because a lot of the lands that Hong Kong are government owned. That's why like we also have so many like private property who are driving up living costs. Because that's how the government mm. make money by selling it to developers, like private developers, mm. right? So they make money off of that and the p- private developers will build like I don't know, like housing, private housing. But then because the government's selling those land, then they don't have enough land to build a public housing, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is more affordable. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like so many factors that contribute to this and also just a cycle, right? Yeah. So there's obviously a lot of flaws that are in the Hong Kong social security system, sadly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to, like, kind of understand, like, how inefficient, like, this social security system is. We also have some studies and statistics here to help us understand it better. So one study interviewed 180 Hong Kongers aged 60 or above in the latter half of 2021. More than 80% of the people said the current social welfare payments were not enough. And the study found that elderly received an average monthly income of 7,536 Hong Kong dollars in 2019, but the amount fell to $7,144 during the COVID pandemic. And OSFAM, which is a nonprofit organization in Hong Kong, also estimated that a household with one working elderly person taking care of another unemployed partner will spend around 8600 a month on rent, food, transport, other daily necessities. Mm-hmm. So that means the amount would exceed the average individual monthly income by $1,456. Yeah, that's like $1,000 in the U.S. The like standard mm-hmm. living cost per month. is a thousand more than a thousand dollars. Yeah, more around a thousand dollars. Like a thousand yeah 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 which is really sad because like i don't know how they if they don't work they won't be able to like gather those extra one thousand five hundred dollars to make up for the daily necessities mm-hmm. and needs. Mm-hmm. and another like big thing is that like 
as you get old, of course, you have to like visit a doctor more frequently. Like you have more problems, you have to visit a doctor more frequently. But like medical facilities in Hong Kong is also very like expensive and inaccessible. And that results in a large amount of medical costs associated with doctor visits, diagnosed tests, medication, and medical procedures. On top of that, because all of these things cost a lot of money if you go to a private hospital or private clinics. So a lot of the elderly, they will choose to rely on the public health system. Um, but the public health system is also too strained and doesn't have enough resources to provide timely assistance to the elderly. Like, I found this one statistic that was, like, it makes sense, but then I'm just, like, so surprised by that the waiting time for specialists in public hospital will be as long as two to three years mm -hmm. just to get to see a specialist. That's like, which is something that we hear a lot a lot, in Hong Kong. A lot. There's yeah. a meme that's, like, it's not funny, but, like, people joke about it where, like, it's a, like, by the yeah, time exactly. they get to you, you've already died. Especially, I feel like, with elderly, yeah. too. Like, there's so many cases where, like, they need to wait three years. And then by the time, like, they get... By the time they're called, it's like the problem already got so bad. Imagine, like, you have cancer. When you discover you're in phase one. And then by the time you get to see a specialist, you're probably in, like, phase three or four. And then the treatment will be too late by then. And probably even more expensive. And I think also because of COVID, like, a lot of doctors have been leaving Hong Kong. I, is that why, like, because currently Hong Kong has a scheme where, like, if you yeah. studied at these top 50, like, medical schools, you can just come back to Hong mm -hmm. Kong and be a doctor to, like, motivate more people mm -hmm. to, you know, be doctors in Hong Kong because we have, we are lacking doctors right now. So that doesn't help. I think, like, that is one of the reasons, like, the COVID thing was one of the reasons, but the protest was probably one of the reasons oh, yeah. too, because a lot of people definitely left Hong they Kong let they just the left protest. Hong Kong. Yeah, it's funny because yeah. like when when we were in Hong Kong in April, we went to get our hair cut and then my cousin, she's an optometrist. And so when like the other people there found out like, oh she's a doctor, they were like, Oh, you should come. We really need doctors right now. We have like, you know, the scheme. So like I don't know. It's like a known thing now that Hong Kong is lacking yeah. doctors. Which doesn't help yeah. the high medical costs. It's only going to get higher. Yeah. Like, because the demand is always so much higher mm -hmm. than the supply. It's funny because I feel like all of these, like, Hong Kong is just so expensive. Like, Hong Kong's, like, daily living standard, like, food and transportation is really cheap. But, like, when it comes to, like, housing and medical bills, it's just so expensive. It's actually a really expensive mm -hmm. city. Yeah. So high living costs is another reason, another factor to elderly poverty. I'm I'm sure everyone knows this now at this point, but Hong Kong is known for having one of the most expensive housing markets in the world with like way too expensive pricing for not enough space. And the high cost of purchase, purchasing or renting a home makes it increasingly difficult for older adults, especially those who have limited finances to find affordable housing and so for the elderly who are unable to afford private housing they often rely on public rental housing schemes. however these public housing schemes has also a long waiting time with the average 
a time for elderly applicants to be 5.8 years in 2021. It's gotten a little better, like we said. Because there's less people. Three, four years. Less people. I think the government is also doing a little better with this new governor. But like, it's still three to four years to get public housing. But still. And so a lot of older adults are forced to live in poor conditions, such as subdivided flats, aging public housing estates, or very cramped living spaces, which are also known as caged housing, which I feel like this is also like, it's weird because I remember I learned about caged housing in form four in like my social, mm-hmm. my liberal studies class. But it's such like a Hong Kong specific phenomenon. Like it's literally these people living in like enough space that would probably only fit the, their body and maybe That's like right. a tiny bit more. And then it's, like, divided by metal cages, basically, which is why it's, like, caged housing. Caged housing. And also, these living conditions can lack proper sanitation facilities, have limited accessibility features, and pose safety hazards. Which is, I feel like, also during COVID, like, COVID spread so quickly mm-hmm. in, like, the less well-maintained buildings. And especially, like, public government housing buildings, because they're not that well regulated and because it's so like small it just spreads really quickly yeah and then that like also occur a cycle of like when you're living at these places they have very very bad sanitation and that mm-hmm. costs you to be sick even more than you have to go to see the doctor but then the doctor is so expensive so then like again like it kind of weaves away your your income mm-hmm. it's really like you, like trapped in poverty in a way you know yeah it feels like the system is against those who are just not financially you know more stable like it's literally one thing after the other and they're all interconnected mm-hmm. but yeah so because of that older adults may face challenges with their living environments especially if they have health issues or mobility issues yeah, Hong Kong is not that accessible for people who are disabled, to be honest. Nope. No, because nope. there's so many stairs. Yeah, we're not that conscious. Okay. Um, but yeah, so because a lot of elderly don't have enough money to cover their living and medical costs, they are then forced to go out to work, which is why we see so many elderly, like, street hawking, hawking or cardboard grannies. Or what's the other one? Janitors. Yeah, just like working very low pay, like blue collar jobs. And like probably jobs that like the younger generation wouldn't take. Right. Yeah. You know, Isn't like very, like, what what do you call those like jobs? Like I, I know like in Chinese collar? people saying you. Like, like jobs that like consider as like disgusting. Like, you know, cleaning toilets, like cleaning oh, streets, yeah. washing dishes and all that. It's like when you go into maybe like a big company and it's all young people. You don't really see like people who are older, right? A lot. I know a lot of managers yeah. are like thirties, forties. No. Yeah, but there's never like people but who like, are like the janitor will be the older, older one. Yeah, the distribution know, of age. The janitor does. Yeah, but yeah. So because they are forced to go out to work, they have very limited job opportunities, which we were talking about. A lot of companies have preference for younger workers. And I think also, like, education plays a role. Mm-hmm. But also age plays a role. 
Like, you're more likely to hire someone who is younger, even if you have, like, similar opportunity, even if you have similar educational background. And also, it's more recent, right? Like, if you're freshly graduated, you have more knowledge, I guess, about the now, Hong Kong now, versus, like, if you're older. So, yeah, they're forced to take these low-paying jobs. Yeah. I think the other day, too, like, I saw the news about how the government is, like, trying to introduce schemes that will, like, encourage old people. Like, oh, like, encourage employers to hire old people. Mm. I'm not sure about the specifics of the schemes, but then at the same time, it also kind of rests me the wrong way. That, like, the government will have to, like, introduce a scheme to make the elderly to work more. Yeah, like, it just rubs me the wrong way how, like, the government has to introduce a scheme to, like, make old people to work more. Well, the, yeah. when the problem itself is the social security system. But mm-hmm. I guess, like, they also kind of need something short-term to relieve the issue. I yeah, would, and that I they think, can make more. Yeah, I think it would be better for them to, like, take higher-paying jobs than to... Mm-hmm have low-paying jobs. Yeah. Yeah. So another thing that a lot of elderly in Hong Kong face is the inadequate affordable elderly care services. That means like going to senior homes, having care taker to take care of them. Um, so the residential care living facilities are really not enough to meet the demand of elderly in Hong Kong. There is a statistic that shows that residential care places for elderly are expected to increase by only 0.24% in the next decade, even though they're expected to be a 46.3% increase in senior citizens. Like, that is crazy to me. So where the heck are we going to house all (laughs) of those seniors in the next decade? That's like almost... I mean, 99% of the new elderly that we'll get in the next decade will not have a place mm-hmm. to also, stay. Also, like, so many young people are leaving. Um, so that would just leave more elderly. Yeah, exactly. Left in Hong Kong. Especially, so I feel like elderly don't want to leave. Like, I feel like elderly probably are in the thought process of like, oh, we've been here our whole lives. Like, it's just too hard to readjust, which is like valid. And I feel like a lot of them will try to just just stay versus like when younger people they're like oh i can still build opportunities elsewhere you know so they choose to leave mm-hmm. yeah and i think like in chinese culture a lot of times like young people are expected to take care of the elderly when they're mm-hmm. old but then since there's so many people who are li- leaving hong kong already like they're unable to provide mm-hmm. that support that they need and even I feel like even if you're staying in Hong Kong, I feel like the cost of taking care of an elderly is also very expensive when the younger generations are already struggling with yeah. all the same problems that the elderly face, which is like not enough housing, very high living costs. Personal problem. Mm-hmm. How's medical mm-hmm. facility? Yeah. Medicare is just universal in Hong Kong that it's not. It's too unaffordable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even if the elderly were able to get into residential care living facilities, these facilities are often 
very basic and offer very limited privacy and independence to the residents. Hong Kong has a regulations that say that each elderly must have a minimum floor area of 6.5 square meter, which does not meet the space needs of elderly, especially for those who require a wheelchair or crutches. The homes also lack features that would enhance the standard of living of elderly, like wide doors or wellness facilities. And like, I can attest to that, like when I went to the facility care spaces in Hong Kong to like visit my great grandma, like those. Okay, like how the facilities are structured, like I think there are like multiple tiers of rooms that you can get. Actually, not rooms, but like in the middle part, they have partitions where mm-hmm. they have like kind of like thick like walls that like, yeah, yeah, drape or like thick walls that like divide up the space into smaller rooms. But like mm-hmm. you'll be kind of, yeah, it's almost like an office partition, partition where the inside like a clinical room you'll be able to like fit maybe a cabinet and a bed inside that's where you live and sometimes you might even have to share with another person mm-hmm. and then the next tier will be like maybe you are able to get a room which would be like near the windows like you can have windows kind of more of your own space but still not really and if you mm-hmm. think about it like the people who live in the middle where the partition are like the newlyweds have no daylight and very little privacy too. And like, it's really sad in these facilities sometimes because like the elderly, they have more health, health issues. Mm-hmm. And like, you just, sometimes you can just hear them like, I don't know, like moaning or like screaming at night. And everybody in that area will be able to hear it and like, People won't be able to sleep. So it's just a really terrible living situation to be in. Like, even when yeah. you're, you're at an old age, like, I don't know, it almost feels like, what do you call them? Like concentration camp, like, but a better one, not like that bad situation, but like yeah. you're in like a camp of elderly. And it's, and a lot of the elderly care centers, I feel like are in very populated cities. Like, some soy bowl yeah. is a big one. So it's kind of like, they don't have peace and quiet, which is kind of sad. And it's Hong Kong, but, like, there are peace and quiet in Hong Kong, like, if you go further out. I don't know if to build it in, like, busier areas or sure. that's, I don't know, they're pretty old. A lot of them are pretty old, but not just, like, the facilities aren't accessible in the elderly home, but, like, once they leave their facility and they go downstairs to the streets like it's still inaccessible because hong kong is yeah. just i you know so busy all the time and so loud uh, yeah i think maybe one of the reasons why they will build it in like the busier area it's like it's easier for the family to go visit them it's like if mm-hmm. the family themselves yeah. like already live in the city like it's really That's hard true. for them to like go all of their way to like the new territories or something they have access to more stuff i guess like they can go to the supermarket you know they're like in closer proximity to a lot of things yeah Uh, but i wonder if they can even go on their own you know i've visited elderly homes before and they're just very like government subsidized ones and they're just very bad quality like the walls are dirty the light is like not bright it's very sad yeah 
Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of like communal areas, I guess, where yeah. they hang out in. Yeah. I don't know. And just like how housing is, like it takes a really long time to wait for these residential care homes to open a space for you. So they usually take more than three years for a place to open up. A research showed that there are more than 50,000 elderly on the waiting list. And according to Hong Kong's social welfare department, in the last nine months of 2018 alone, nearly 5,000 people died while on the waiting list. Like waiting to see a doctor. Like by the time I get it, it's like too late. Yeah, so like it's the same thing with doctors, with public housing, and even with care homes. And yeah, and like even if you do get to get into these residential care facilities, they're usually very unaffordable for a lot of people, which can range from four thousand five hundred Hong Kong dollars to twenty one thousand dollars. Yeah. So and if you think like, about it, like the, the government subsidies is really not enough. And like if you don't mm-hmm. have family support to help you pay for those facilities you won't even be able to to afford it like we were talking about before we were talking about how there's been like more luxury elderly care facilities that have been on the market i don't know when they came but like those are the ones that are like you have your own like villa it's like very good quality with like this high class food with like gardens and stuff which is probably less city areas like they're more outskirts of town but uh, it's just completely different lifestyles like if you are not in that bracket of i guess wealth in Mm -hmm. hong kong like the difference is just so big it's almost impossible it just makes the wealth gap really really big and i feel like that's something that is kind of sad for me to think about you know yeah i mean in a way i feel like it's similar to like the u.s but I think the bare minimum that the U.S. is able to provide is a little higher than what Hong Kong is able to provide. In the U.S., like the wealth, I mean, there's a huge wealth gap, but also it's not as apparent as Hong Kong. Because I feel mm-hmm. like the re- there's more like good quality private healthcare facilities in the U.S. that are like more of the same like range and then there's like obviously more expensive ones and cheaper ones but in hong kong it's like you're either going to this luxury resort or you're going to the government subsidized like facility and that's also just probably a reflection of how hong kong like demand is so high which creates these like the very untouchable expensive ones that only a certain group of people can have that they know that there will be a need for and that they know that people will pay for it versus Mm -hmm. like the government subsidized ones where they also know that there's a need for and that people i don't know there's just too high of a demand and too little options in hong kong supply yeah versus here there's more options you know like more variety so it does as big the gap Mm -hmm. i mean Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that makes sense i wonder if just even my parents they're thinking about like when they retire, they will go to mm-hmm. mainland. Like they will get it's cheaper. They will get it's get a way house cheaper there. And it's yeah, and main, mainland, and then just live their retirement life there. Like I wonder, you know, even though there's all these political 
Cole talks about like China taking over Hong Kong, but I wonder if like that will help Hong Kong opens up more opportunity and resources to I don't know take care of the lower class of Hong Kong people because I feel mm-hmm. like after like doing so many research and discussing all these issues, it all kind of drill down to the fact that we don't have enough land and resources. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder if yeah. like opening ourselves up to China would give us more resources in that way, and like yeah, things a lot cheaper there Actually, as well. Well, when doing research of like how the elderly care facilities in Shenzhen or like Guangdong, like really close to Hong Kong, are way cheaper, and a lot of people do choose to go to those facilities okay. just because like you're getting better quality for less money. And it's yeah. just yes for that, and also it's true. Like it's way cheaper, especially like the housing cheaper. Mm-hmm. There's more land. Yeah. Think about expanding, even yeah. though politically, I think a lot of people don't like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but still, Hong Kong is just so small. Mm-hmm. It's like, do you sacrifice? the of the people or like the satisfaction of the people or like are you gonna do what the city needs i guess to like expand and provide more resources i wonder if people will be more open to it if like it lowers costs like if expanding to china like would help lower costs and lower the wait time of snow yeah and it honestly I feel like when it comes down to it, if you like think about the massive hierarchy of needs, like you know what I'm talking about, where yes. I think like like shelter, like safety, shelters, food, and stuff. is the bottom. Oh, I think food is like at the bottom, and like safety, shelter is like the second, and then like their higher stuff with like relationships and like self esteem and self actualization, mm-hmm. all that is on a higher level. So I think mm-hmm. a lot of times when we talk about opening ourselves up to China a lot of people talking about ideologies where we're just like higher up in the hierarchy of needs in my opinion but like I feel like if you're able to get your basic need satisfied like that's what people need to feel happy mm-hmm. right so I feel like eventually inevitably like people will have to like give in and like be more yeah. open to the resources that the mainland is able to offer even though like their ideology might not agree with each other yeah i also think like the people i guess who would be more open to that would probably be people who need those basic needs met like i guess people who already have basic needs basic needs met they probably already left you know like if they can afford to true Uh, (laughs) leave and like or just stay in hong kong and stuff so yeah yeah so i feel like that was a really heavy heavy topic so we need to do something lighthearted something lighthearted yeah we promise something more fun but yeah so how do you feel about everything that we've talked about today any realization reflection that you want to share just that Hong Kong needs to get their shit together. I don't know. I, I just feel like they there's just so many phenomenons that have stemmed from inadequate support 
for elderly and just like people who are lower class in general be made but i just feel like there needs to be change to be made (laughs) especially now like with more people leaving and stuff like and more elderly like the elderly population is left behind yeah and left behind so and i know there's a lot of ngos in hong kong but that are like helping Mm -hmm. the problem but i feel like ultimately there needs to be something big that happens to like tackle the root of the problem which i don't know what it is but not sure yet i will leave that to the government official to think about that yeah and and it's like you see these these people like because i I feel like whenever i see someone like i love being in a big city because i see so many different kinds of people and i like Mm -hmm. think about like what led them to this point like like what is the life of this person like i like thinking about those things so when we see so many like street hawkers and cardboard grannies, it, it just makes me think about like what is the reason that they are doing what they're doing. It and, like, is, what is really yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, like it is really sad. So I think like the reason why I brought up this topic is because of a documentary that I I watched the other day. Is like from like the RTHK whatever documentary mm-hmm. that talks about like poverty among elderly in hong kong and like they interviewed this one elderly lady who she didn't qualify i think a lot of the older generation to like to save money right like they have mm. like i wouldn't say a lot but like decent amount of money in their bank account mm-hmm. that can help them like support their life for like 10 years you know they have a lot of money saved up or even maybe like it will be money for for their next generation anyways but because they have like that amount of money saved up in their bank account they're not eligible for like public housing or any of the mm. social security program so they're forced to go in right to place like private housing private apartment but that like will actually increase their expenses a lot every month right. and like deplete their wealth a lot faster. And then mm-hmm. she was talking about how yeah she like she's not able to get any of the benefits, and so to maintain a living she has to go out and work. And she's like eighty some, I think she was eighty. And then mm-hmm. she was just like really sad and like tearing up about how like when I was younger I was working really hard, so then I feel in the future i can live a better life but now i'm older i still have to keep working until Mm -hmm. she doesn't know when until she dies and that is just so hard to i don't know it's so hard to think about like now as a 23 year old i'm already complaining about working all the time and i cannot imagine if what i've worked for well, like, I don't know, the next 40 years, in, it just ended up in, like, quote-unquote nothing because I still have to keep in this cycle of working and living paycheck to paycheck every single day. That's so interesting. I feel like that also needs to change, like, what we determine as someone who can receive benefits because I feel like it's the same in every country. Like, in the U.S., like, if you are lower, if you're living below the poverty line, obviously, you can apply for certain benefits and stuff. But I think once your income or once you're making goes above like a little bit above the poverty line they pull the aid like they don't let you receive the certain benefits anymore so it's like it's not sustainable because then they just fall right back right you're Mm -hmm. removing a chunk of 
support that helped them get here. I just think there needs to be more time in between, like, them pulling the support. Or, like, they need to reevaluate, like, how their benefits to people can be more sustainable. Because it's, mm-hmm. it's really not. And I'm sure, like, mm-hmm. Hong Kong is the same. Maybe you yeah. used to qualify, then you, you don't qualify anymore. And then you go back to how you, like, how it used to be. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That reminded me of a video that I watched the other day. This video that talks about how the U.S. has, like, security benefits like unemployment benefits that mm-hmm. actually encourage you to not work and mm-hmm. to get benefits instead of going out to work because you actually lose more benefits if you go out and work and it's better to like not work and just mm-hmm. get government aid right yeah yeah and i think some country they try to solve it like they propose maybe you can prolong the benefits a little bit longer even after they get a job Mm-hmm. Or, like, just, like, gradually reduce the amount of money that they get instead of, like, mm-hmm. cu- like making it a hard cut once they get a job. Oh, yeah. yeah. Heavy, heavy, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We hope Thanks you learned something new. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I feel like it's not something that only happens in Hong Kong, but it also kind of reflects mm-hmm. the problems of, like, living in capitalist society in general like i feel like it's a problem that a lot of capitalist society has too thanks for listening give us a rating on spotify or platform you're listening on all right thank you for listening and i'll see y'all next time see y'all next time bye